Lord, I thank you so very much that you love us, Lord, that you know us better than anyone else. You get our jokes when other people don't. Lord, that you know our heart when other people don't. Lord, I thank you that your love for us is complete. It is unfailing. Lord, I thank you that your love is forever, that it is gentle, that it is kind. And Lord, today I ask that you would please help us to understand your love better. Help us to hear your voice in what what we read. Help us to know how you would have us to respond. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I appreciate your patience. Okay. So we've been on a series that we're calling Healthy. Healthy. And we are starting by looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. And so I'd like to turn there just to get us started in the right way. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. The last two Sundays I've been kind of explaining the context for this, as this letter is, the first half is really about the state of being, being a Jesus follower, the love of Jesus, and then the second half of the letter really turns to actions and what we should do about that. So this is kind of coming to the turning point in the letter. Paul has been writing about the grace of God, the love of God expressed to us through Jesus. He he writes, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful for the scripture. We've kind of focused on this phrase, made complete. And uh, older English translations just simply said, you will be filled with the fullness of God. But I think the, the New Living rightly renders the spirit of what was said in the original language, you will be made complete. And that is a way of talking about being healthy. And so our our main thought that we're taking in this series is through God's love, we can be healthy. Because the, the text that we just read, the focus is as you connect with Jesus. The focus is as you connect with Jesus, you're going to experience the love of God in a way that's life-changing. Life-changing in a way to bring you to full health, to help make you complete. And so healthy could be understand both in the natural and a little bit in the spiritual in this way. Free from disease or pain. Enjoying well-being of body, mind, and spirit. In a good state. Sound, whole, hearty, robust, lively, or vital. Not sick or injured. Weakened, run down, or worn out. And so in the first couple of weeks, we looked at salvation. God's love is a gift to me. When we talked 
about that. We, there, there's notes up, cityharborchurch.com. You can see the notes and listen to the recordings of this, or stream it, download it, whatever works for you. The reality of the context of this verse is that it's not focused on me getting healthier in the way that the common public national narrative about health is. It doesn't, it's actually not talking about core exercises. <laughs> it's actually not, well that was what I was thinking, I appreciate it. It's actually not talking about, hey try to pretend that you're a better person. And that's a really important distinction. It's saying, in the context of the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, that's the context of this phrase, experience the love of God that has been expressed to you through Jesus, and that will change your life. And in that way, as you anchor into it, as you grow your roots down into it, as you experience, as you search it out, in that way, God's love will make you complete. And you will say, you complete me. Now, so we, we focused on the gospel salvations. God loves a gift for me. Week two, we kind of did a two-parter, uh, unpacking a little bit more of the four points of the gospel that we looked at. And we talked about the fact that God's love is strong where you are not. And we rolled out some scripture verses that if you memorize and pray, really help address anxiety, insecurity, and inadequacies. And today and, and next Sunday, this is what we're going to look at. Jesus-centered life completes me. Understand, um, completes me, leading me away from a life of self-centeredness. And next week we're going to look at Jesus-centered life leads me to healthy relationships. How many of you could feel the need for a little bit of help in that regard? Now, it's important we can't take this out of the context of the good news of Jesus and experiencing Jesus. And you've heard me say many times, this is not about pretending to be a different person. This is not about, hey, do right, act right, and then God will love you. No, in fact, in week one, I must have said five times that a healthy spirit has come to a place where I don't need to get anything to feel all right. I don't need to prove anything to feel all right about myself. That's a very important distinction. Following Jesus, it's the only major religion that doesn't say, hey, do these right things and then you'll be accepted. All the others are based on that. No, what is being talked about here in this place, in this word is God has already done it for you. God loves you completely through His Son Jesus and as a good Father wants you to see you receive that gift. That's it. When we add other stuff to it, we ruin it. I want to be very careful this week and next week with what I'm saying. I, I want more than anything to be very clear that we can connect heart to heart, that you can hear what I am saying and distinguish from what I am not saying. 
Because these are, these are delicate things. Talk about self-centeredness and codependency. Well, they're wrapped up. It, it, it's as difficult as an eating disorder because with an eating disorder, you, you gotta have food to survive. Are you with me? Yes. Clearly, some of you have never had an eating disorder from the looks I was getting. It's very difficult to deal with an eating disorder because you have to have food to survive. Well, I'm talking about self-centeredness and codependency. Like, well, I got to love me and I got to love other people, right? So let's be really clear about what we are saying and what we are not saying, okay? A Jesus-centered life, in other words, a love gives ethic. And some of you have been a part of this church long enough to remember the sermon series on love gives and that distinction, the agape love of God. A Jesus-centered life will lead us away from the tyranny of self-centeredness and codependency. Now, in our political landscape, a lot of people using the word dictator and tyrant and things of that nature. I'm here to tell you today that the worst tyrant you can be subject to is yourself. Now, what are we saying? What are we not saying? Self-centeredness. Prioritizing a pleasing of myself that results in the disregard of the value of another. Or even diminishing the value of another. Where my thoughts, my desires, my dreams are more important than yours. That's self-centeredness. Because every human was created in God's image. They might not all look right, sound right, or talk like you, or smell like you, or the way that you want them to, but they all have value. That's why racism, sexism, insert whatever, it's evil. I predetermine the value of another person to be less than me? That's evil. Self-centeredness, this is one aspect that is essentially wrapped up in what self-centeredness means. Codependency is prioritizing the happiness of others to the point of disregard for the value of myself. It's where the happiness of others is necessary for me to be at peace. That's not healthy either. That's not what God wants for you. Now, Justin and Chris, will you please be so kind as to give each person one of these. I have a handout that I want to give to you, which we're not going to read through today. (laughs) Some of you will look at it and say, Lord, thank you, I got it, have lunch. (laughs) But because I want to be very careful about what I am saying and what I'm not saying, because I care about you. You're welcome. I care about you. And I want to be very careful that anytime we get close to issues where you might have a bruise in your spirit, in your mind, in your emotions, and I just start to talk about the issue, it it can hurt. And it can make it difficult to receive the truth. It can make it difficult to distinguish between what I am saying and what I'm not saying. Does that make sense? Okay, so on, on one side, you'll see two vertical columns. I use this vocabulary because it's fantasy football season. Two vertical columns. And on the top left is what I would call bad religion. Okay? Most of us would use that word only in bad terms, but I'm just... 
I obey, therefore I am accepted. In the top right column, you see gospel. In other words, good news or a right perspective that comes from following Jesus. And you see, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Okay, so that's the contrast. That chart comes to us from Timothy Keller. On the back, on the back what you have is a Celebrate Recovery information about codependency. And I wanted to give you a chance to, before next Sunday, just kind of read over that. Okay? Now you can put the paper down because we're done with it for now. So Chris and Justin and Brian, will you come up here, please? Just stand over here to my left, if you will. Um, actually, Brian, I don't need you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so I want to have a little bit of help from my friends in talking about a Jesus-centered life and just kind of unpack the difference. Because this is an essential part of the context that the readers of this passage would have understand that we don't understand. Because we read the English word love, and we just say the same thing. I love these jeans. I love that pizza. I love your mama. Well, your mama better not think that you love the pizza as much as you love her. In Greek, there are multiple different words that are translated love in our Bible. This letter is all the agape word to express the way that God loves us. We see in Philippians 2, Jesus did not think of himself or his place in heaven as more important than us, but instead chose to come down to earth to pay the price for us. As Femi was so rightfully, where'd he go? I was saying thank you. As Femi so rightfully said in communion, in talking about the sacrifice, when Jesus talks about, eat my flesh and drink my blood, Jesus, that's really weird, which is what the disciples said to him. He's talking about, would you receive me as your sacrifice? You're one and done, no more sacrificing animals, no more of this. This is the once and for all sacrifice. Would you receive? Would you take in as your own salvation, as your own Passover? Can I be your Passover lamb? So Jesus talking about that, we can't receive the love of God. Our understanding of this will not be life-changing. We'll attend church as an event and we're like, man, I don't understand. I'm still all jacked up, but I'm doing what you're supposed to be doing. But if you don't take in for yourself with a deep enough understanding to register how serious this is, is, which is why from the beginning with the Garden of Eden, there was bloodshed. God was trying to say, I love you so much that I want you to get it. Don't choose death over life. Don't choose the sin of selfishness over my life, my grace for you. That's why Jesus said things that they just couldn't, like, what the heck? That's why he said it, because it's that important. It's the way that God loves you. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the context of love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't boast. Love never gives up. He's talking about the way that God showed them love through Jesus and how they should respond. It's not just a poem for weddings. The love of God. Now, what does a Jesus-centered life look like? So let's just say, and if we were like one of those big fancy churches, we'd have a screen with a camera overhead and you could look down over. So we're going to make Justin in the center circle. Okay? So we're going to say that Justin is the center of life. 
Chris is on the outside of the center, and I am on the outside of the center, okay? God is saying to us, when we let our roots grow down into God's love, and we have this kind of transformative experience, that instead of, okay, Justin is Jesus, I am me, my thoughts, my dreams, my desires matter most. I've got both hands, a 10 and 2, on the steering wheel of my life because I'm in control, because no one else knows how my life should go better than me. Well, what? <laughs> Some people don't want to come to celebrate recovery because they don't want to hear that phrase, let go and let God. They're like, that sounds like suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep myself in the center of my life. This is what self-centeredness looks like. Now, another error, which actually seems more Christian. Watch me now. I put others at the middle of my life. You be happy. You tell me how to live. You tell me, and you tell me if I'm okay. You tell me if everything's okay with me. Are you good? Are you doing good? It can be a spouse. It can be a, well, I just submitted to my husband because that's what the Bible says. Whoa! Wrong theology. Let's unpack the complexity of that context and talk about what that really means. I shouldn't have gone there today. Not enough time to unpack that. Okay? Listen. Your husband is not supposed to be the center of your life. Watch me now. I like Francis Chan just enough to say this. Your child is not supposed to be the center of your life. Your lover, your affair, your teacher, your childhood coach, your parents, they're not supposed to be at the center of your life. They're not the one with the hands on the steering wheel. This is codependency says, I can't be okay with me unless somebody else is okay with me. Oh, that's... Walking Penub in all the wrong paces. So Chris is, see, and Chris is such a gracious guy, he's starting to get uncomfortable with being in the center. So we'll just, we'll pull Chris out. So see, and then a lot of times what we do in the car of our life is we go back and forth, right? No, you be in the middle. No, I want to be in the middle. No, you be in the middle. Some of you have ridden with Rebecca and I, and one, one of us is navigating and the other one isn't. What I'm supposed to do is put Jesus in the center of my life. Not to devalue myself or others. We need to understand this distinction. I'm not talking about, I don't get to have fun. I can't do any of the stuff that I like. Some of y'all are getting nobody coming to church with you because you're walking around the workplace and my life stinks. Well, of course they don't want to come to church with you if that's what your life is like. Oh, sorry, did I say that? Right, hello? And I don't want to go because I go there and I just tell, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I can't watch this, and I can't talk like that. Whoa. Perspective. I put Jesus at the center of my life, and guess what? It's Jesus, it's not me or your ex-boyfriend. We don't want to put Jesus at the center of our life because 
we don't trust him. I don't even see his hands at 10 and 2. <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, I can't see him. I don't trust him. Did you know that John recorded the prayer that Jesus prayed for those who would believe in him, not having seen him? It's Jesus, the full expression of God's love for us. In Jesus, we see that God's love is faithful. It doesn't give up. God described himself and his own love in this way, forgiving thousands of generations for sin, transgression, and iniquity. A one-time mistake, a several-time mistake, and a lifestyle of rejecting God. God said, I forgive all of that. It's Jesus we should put at the center of our life. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, I recognize trust. Whew, this is really hard. And so I want to explain something. God's not asking for your blind trust. God is not asking for your blind trust. For thousands of years, to literally millions of people, he has proven who he is. Pastor Ben, I don't understand why you're always trying to get us to read the Bible. Well, listen, it'll be here a lot longer than me. For thousands of years to millions of people, God has proven his character. How he thinks, how he feels. He talked about his feelings. He talked about singing, singing over people. God loves you today. God loves you. And he actually knows everything about you. God loves you. He's not asking for your blind trust. He wasn't afraid of Job's questions and accusations. He's not afraid of profanity. He's not, a, he's not afraid of being blasphemed. He's not afraid of you not trusting Him. He's not afraid of you betraying Him, being unfaithful to Him. He's been there, done that. You're not going to do something against God that somebody else hasn't already done. But please, don't live life only partially okay with your God issue because you don't want to really trust because other people were proven unworthy of your trust. God is not other people. He's not. Now, listen. Every day, I post readings from the Bible for a Read Through the Bible in a Year program and some comments on it. Now you can find it, benmalman.com. I know you think I'm joking. That's just where it is right now. Okay, my name. Link, it's on the link on our website. Reading through the whole... It's, it's tough. 
It's not easy. It's complicated. It's R-rated. It's kind of weird. No, I'm not joking. It really is. (laughs) But this is fundamental. This is essential. This is foundational. God's not asking for your blind trust. He's already proven who He is. God wants you to love Him. Okay, that's really serious. Okay, so, is the, is the earth flat? I know, well there he goes, he's just trying to start fights in church now. Listen, um, if we stand and look at the horizon, it, what does it look like? It looks like a straight line. But did you know that now, you can buy some weather balloons and send your own cell phone up high enough to record video and see the curvature of the earth and prove that it wasn't just the U.S. government, which is guilty of doing some bad things. You could send your own cell phone up and prove the curvature of the earth. Why am I bringing this up? Sometimes you need perspective outside of yourself to know the truth. A self-centered life, here's the way I've described it. You are a spiritual being created by design. When we approach our spiritual health with a self-focus first, it will always become incomplete. Only in a God-focused approach to spiritual health can we be made complete. I prophet Isaiah wrote, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Three questions to close us out today to guide a healthy life. Really simple. Have I received the love of God and responded to it? I'm just going to be like a broken record here today. We have the purple book available here every week for you for free. Some of us have not been changed by the love of Jesus because we actually don't understand it. We actually don't understand the significance, the importance, what it really means. Why did Jesus have to die? What does his resurrection mean? There are questions and there are answers that will change your life. Please, if you haven't, get a copy of the purple book. Let's get somebody to go through it with you. Just It's just simple questions with a Bible reference and you can write down the answers, make your own observations. When we attend Christianity like an event we attend, like a spiritual activity, like a club that I can join so I can feel better about myself, we will only become more dissatisfied. If we actually interact with Jesus, our life, will be changed. God does not want you to receive His love as just a momentary experience. Oh man, that was good. I felt groovy. I'm glad you felt groovy and I hope it makes you keep coming back. But that's not the end. That's not God's ultimate desire for you. God loves you. And God wants you to ask yourself, have I received the love of God and responded to it? And have I made Jesus the center of my life? You know, Justin. Did I make Justin? 
<laughs> Justin doesn't want anybody making him the center of his, your life. Have I made Jesus the center of my life? Because if you're human and you hear me say that, you're probably thinking about some area where Jesus needs to be the center. If you're not, the area is pride. Is Jesus the center of my life? And in what ways can I step away from self-centeredness and codependency? Here's why I love this church and I love the genius of the way that God has stuff set up. God wants us to pursue this relationship with him alongside others. Not people that have all the answers that are going to try to fix us. But where we search out the answers together, that's the way in which God wants us to pursue this. Because in that there's real camaraderie, not guilt. Are you with me? Because everybody in this room has got some area where I need to get something. I need to self-medicate. I need to feel something. I need to abuse something in order to feel good about myself. Or I need to prove something to somebody else. I need to be right in somebody else's eyes in order to feel okay about myself. Jesus wants to just expel all of that. Steam it out. Iron it out. So that you can really be content. At peace. God loves you. God's love is perfect. Romans 5.8 says this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. The phrase before that is, God has shown us his love in this. God didn't wait until you were at your best. When you were at your worst, the decision had already been made. The price for your soul had already been paid. God loves you, not for what he can get out of you. He's not human. God loves you. The way to spiritual health is making Jesus the center of your life. Will you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. I appreciate you allowing me a few extra minutes today. If you're here today and you'd like to receive prayer, please don't leave until you do. Lots of folks here would be happy to uh, pray for you. God, oh Lord, this is difficult. It's tricky. Lord, we sometimes can misdiagnose things. We WebMD our own spiritual life and end up all confused. And I know that's not your will. But God, I do believe that you want us to trust you with all our heart, to not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you, and that in that you will direct our steps. I know that if we will let our roots grow down into the love of Jesus, we will be changed, and in you we will be made complete. God, today, would you please guide us, help us to hear your voice, help us to receive your love, which is transformative. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.